Welcome, everyone, to the first Rumble Over the Thunder podcast of the offseason. I'm so sad. It's Season's over. Season's done. Andy. All done. Congratulations. Thank you. You done did it. And yeah. then you done partied until probably about right now. By the way, it's Ish. the following Thursday that we're back here, in case you're wondering. Yeah, we had a good time. It was uh, it was uh, something to uh, cherish and celebrate. And uh, I did remind my dad, who is 61 years old and a 40-year uh, FRC member, um, this was his first super late model championship, that uh, I did remind him a few times that he is 61 and he's going to pay for that uh, more than the rest of us yahoos that were um, and, and still how, up when the sun was coming and up. And how was he feeling? Because... I was there. He was making breakfast. He seemed like he was doing okay. How's he? How's he doing? Yeah, now? he was a soldier. He w- went with Brian Friday night. They had the uh, the asphalt late models on the dirt at Oshkosh. He was down there, and then uh, he came with us down to Slinger on Sunday. So he tro- he troopered through it. Warrior, yeah, warrior. I should mention we got two other champions here tonight with us. Travis Rodewald. Hello, how are you? Hi, good to be here. Nice to have you. Thanks for skipping out of work early. Dylan Wenzel, you're back. Second appearance on the podcast. Good to have you here uh, with us as well. Dill, how are you doing? Pretty good. It was good to Just, see you Sunday, by the way. Yeah, Thanks for coming on out to Plover. Excuse me, Monday that was. Monday. Thanks for coming on out to Plover. Did you have a that good time? Was, that was a fun time. It Thinking was... about going back? Oh, yeah. I think they got. I uh, you can probably go out there for the harvest, I think, at the end of the year. They're probably going to run the same kind of rules. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. I'll, I'll check into that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny how you mentioned to him what kind of rules they're going to run. You didn't mention it to anybody else, but you made sure he knew that what the rules are. Well, you know, we talked about the sportsman cars and how everything's sort of all over the place, and that's why I mentioned that. Cause Bada it's bing. Not, yeah, it's, it's a little tough to know what kind of time you could bring your car, where you can bring your car, and how you need to bring your car. So, Good save. Uh, enough of that. And Yeah, you've been through the tech shit a few times this year, haven't you? A few times. Just a few times. Okay. A few times. Just a few times. Just every once in a while. Hey, let's uh, let's first off talk about the final night before we get into talking with our champions and a guy by the name of Maxwell Schultz who was so close to completing a feat that I don't think has ever been done here before. At least we checked the record books. We tried to look back as far as we could. He was one spot shy of a clean sweep. Yeah, and we knew Max was going to be fast coming into the night because if you remember the week prior – uh, they did have some motor issues on the 34, uh, so they only made a lap or two in the feature, so they had a little bit fresher tires than the rest of the field. Um, that being said, you still have to have the car set up. You still got to do it, and uh, he came out set fast time. Uh, we elected to start in the back of the dash, just kind of play it safe, so he moved up a spot there and then took off on the outside, won that dash. And But uh, the roll of the dice for the feature was still like a 6 or a 5, um, so he had to come from, mm-hmm. I want to say, 13th starting spot, and he finished second uh, behind Bobby Kendall there. Yeah, he came way back from way back in the pack, and he had a chance. Kendall slammed the door shut, and then after that, he just kind of couldn't get there again. But made for a wildly entertaining race. And then for yourself, Andy, I, I know you, you were kind of going for it a bit, but uh, you still, I think you still had to kind of play it a little cautious, like you said, in the dash. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think, what, fourth was it? Somewhere in, in the top uh, five there? Ended up sixth, actually. Sixth. Okay, so still a decent day and uh, just a model of consistency all the way throughout the year for you. Yeah, and, uh, you know, coming into the night, we kind of knew what we needed to do. Um, and the big thing was just uh, qualifying and getting the car into the show. And once we were able to qualify third, uh, Lowell wasn't quite happy with his car. He ended up ninth in qualifying. Um, it just kind of set up the rest of the night. Uh, we took one lap in the dash to save it for the feature. And then... Uh, 
yeah, once the green flag flew, um, we knew that was kind of locked up and uh, started going forward. Missed a, a couple kind of hairy wrecks. Uh, there was one up in uh, in turn one, and then uh, uh, DeAngelis and Butts kind of got mm -hmm. together in turn three right in front of me too. So, But all in all, it was uh, a good night, and uh, like you said, to have the consistent finishes throughout the year, that's what paid off. Yeah, and uh, talking about the late models, we'll get into uh, you know Travis Rodewald, Jesse Bernhagen's battle to the end uh, in just a little bit. But Brazen Bennett, a guy that won the championship a year prior, it took him all the way until last night to win the championship or to win a feature, and uh, he looked pretty good out there winning that feature on on last Thursday. Yeah, he did, and I want to say about the midpoint of the year, he really had some bad luck, whether it was wrecks or motors or tires or anything so um for him to cap off the season on a high note was a positive spin for him i think he ended up was sixth overall this season standings that's uh, right. something like that he's been you know he's part of that quick driver development program this year and because of that he's done a lot of extra racing and it seems like bad luck is sort of just kind of been a thing that just keeps building on itself for him so if he'd have bad luck at slinger then he'd have bad luck at kakana then he'd have bad luck at a tundra race and it just you know, it just seemed to just keep piling up on the kid. And then finally, I think a weight was off of his shoulders this past Thursday when he picked up that win. Yeah, that was big. And I think everybody maybe assumes with Brazen that um, maybe they have a lot of money behind their operation or, or their his dad, you know, obviously being Lowell. Um, they're always got guys working on the car and this and that. But really, it's, it's Brazen and his girlfriend, Megan, mm -hmm. that are at the track, at the shop, doing all the work on, like you said, multiple cars, running multiple series. So um, he's putting a lot of time and effort into these things, probably uh, more than most out here. So it's good to see him get the win. Crazy finish to the race on the quarter mile in the Super Stocks. Dylan Wenzel let Rick drive. So that sort of opened up a whole bunch of things. Just when you thought Craig Van de Wettering was going to be the guy to beat, the engine goes on the 49. And then the guy that won, his engine went too, George Schwalbach. But that was a wildly entertaining race. Almost got beat by the dirt car. Ariana was <laughs> hounding him in the last couple yeah, laps. Yeah, she came out here for, what, the second or third time this mm -hmm. year? So that was good to see. And, uh, yeah, Dylan, you can tell us a little bit how that all uh, set up since you're up here with uh, letting your dad drive. Oh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, since I didn't have to run that last night, uh, I elected to uh, put dad in the car. He hasn't been in the car for about three four years in a super stock so i just let him go out and have fun and, and i was a nervous car owner <laughs> how is it being on the other side i i thought it would be more fun but it was more nerve-wracking uh i was i was yeah, pretty nervous car owner you were telling your me in the post-race interview yeah just go around the track knowing you have no control on what's going on but it was all it was fun so what was the plan between you and your dad just in case anything would have happened there uh, who was paying for it well, it would have been me paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> Blatant honesty. That's good. That's good. Uh, let's keep moving along here uh, to get through these results. Obviously, we had the quarter-mile late models here as well. Tom Sparowski picked up the win. Uh, Corey Kempkis ended up finishing second. That netted him the championship, and I know Corey was uh, hanging out for a while afterward too, so that would be, I think, that's got to be his first championship of any kind here. We were in the super stocks for a little while. Uh, late know. models, he got one. That's right. About That's right. 2014. Back. That's correct. So pardon me on that. But uh, now he's got the the late models, the quarter mile late models. He's got to come back and try for the super lates, right? Like you got to get all three. 
I don't know what Corey's plans are. I know they've been kicking around the idea of maybe doing some dirt racing. I heard that. I think Corey wants to, but I don't know if Jimmy wants to a little bit on there. So um, be interested to see. And um, hats off to Aaron Neverman and his wife, Casey. They own that car um, that Corey runs in that quarter-mile late-model division. And Aaron's been coming out here for 20 years plus. He used to be crew chief for Gary Bach when he raced in the limited late-models. Um, so Aaron puts all the work into that car and um, he was pretty excited. They they spent the night here Thursday too. They had a camper up top and they had a good time. Yeah, and you should have heard the Kempkis clan erupt when we announced that he won the overall championship. Those guys were going nuts. They were shaking the grandstands over there. That's known as the Sea of Red. The Years sea ago of red when Corey or, had a red car, yeah, the they would wave. all were red and it was the Sea of Red in yeah. turn one. Well they're they, they had good good means to celebrate there on Thursday, that's for sure. Uh, maybe the most entertaining ending to a championship battle into a feature was the Wisconsin sport trucks with Kyle Quella. And you kind of talked to him about this at maybe 9am on Friday morning. Uh, there might be some videographic proof of that. It was all about the setup for the final pass for Kyle Quella. It wasn't about getting to the front. He knew that he needed to make that pass of Kylie Vandermoss at a certain time. Otherwise, Brett Van Horn was going to win that championship. Yeah, and that's really what happened there. Kylie got out. She led 19 and a half laps of the race or so. Um, and uh, once Kyle got into second and Van Horn was in third, he knew that that wasn't going to do it for the championship. He needed to get one truck in between them somehow. And it looked like he caught Kylie and maybe could have made a move on her to pass her with about six to go. But he didn't, and on the same vein, wherever Aquala went, Van Horn went. He just stayed tied to his bumper. And then they came, they took the white flag, came down the back stretch on the last lap, and Kyle did a little bonsai move um, into turn three, um, pushed Kylie a little bit up the track. You know, some might say it's dirty. Um, I think she understood, you know, with a championship on the line, um, he was able to, to win the race, and Van Horn ended up third, and that was enough to give him a two-point overall win for the championship. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Did he win the heat race, too? He, I think he thinks he won I the heat he race. he thought he won the heat the race. The transponder says no, but yeah. he still refutes that he won that heat race. I know. Uh, Dan, did you, I get, think vid- he's still Dan, more did you get video of that? Did, did, I did not. You didn't get video of the no, heat races? I don't tape heat races. Maybe you should start. I, I think I may have to. Maybe about time, because then we can go back and at least check so Kyle doesn't keep harping on this for a long time. Heat you race know? gate. Heat well, race sport gate. Trucks. He, he may have crossed it. Uh, crossed with the nose ahead, but by the time the transponder reaches the uh, the timing line, that may have changed. Good thing it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, those heat races <laughs> pay so much money. Well, not only that, but if he would have lost by like a point. Well, I think that's what he was trying to get at at our 9.30 a.m. Vi- video, that if he would have won that heat race, case. I think if he would have finished second in the feature verse and Van Horn third, that might have been enough of a difference. So had he needed he to get that one extra spot. So though. had he slept on something aside from a lawn chair on Thursday night, he might have been able to make that point. <laughs> he was in rough shape, and he was like the youngest one of the whole group, and he was in the roughest shape. So oh. I think he's out of practice or something. He was having fun. And, and by the way, we're picking on Kyle here a little bit. He's not with us tonight. Neither are Dan Thompson, our two champions of the figure eights. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, or Corey, but we're going to bring these guys on a little bit later on here as well. So they'll get on the podcast at some point. We should mention that. Uh, it's not that we didn't try. We reached out to a couple of them, just couldn't make it. So we'll get those uh, We'll get those interviews at another time and certainly look forward to hearing their stories, especially 
Kyle Quella's story from Friday. We'll night. see if his story changes from the yeah. Friday morning story. Yeah, well, we, we I think we got brutal honesty out say, of we, Friday morning. We've got video of it too, so it can't go away. <laughs> so he's he's gonna have to fess up. Uh, Sizzling four feature. Andy, did did you did you do something to that PT Cruiser when you tested it? I Bob told Hoyt you that, that, that yellow button inside of it uh-huh. that said did you, ex- did you accidentally hit that? He said it. Time? He said it wasn't hooked up, but now after what I saw Thursday, I think it was hooked up. Maybe. Because that thing won. Yep, that Bob Voigt. Bob Voigt driving it this time. And, man, that was that was fun to watch. It was fun to watch that thing up front, and I was, I was making little jokes throughout the race. You know, it's kind of like being stuck on a two-lane highway behind a minivan. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Are you going to go to the outside? Are you going to try to make the pass? It's not going to work. Yeah, I talked to Bob. We were walking back to the pits after the, uh, the uh, on-track celebration stuff, and he was pretty excited, so I know Rob does some work on that car, and I think he, he changed some things and got it set up, and that thing took off. So I know it was kind of our little four-cylinder joke of the podcast, like, hey, look, at there's a PT Cruiser out there. Well, guess what? Now it's a competitive feature-winning car. It's it's not a joke anymore. This thing's for real. Yeah, and I think they said they were going to do some year-end racing and things like that too, so some people out of the racetracks are going to have an opportunity to see that thing. Maybe it'll be here tomorrow because those fours run the uh, two-man cruiser if they hook up the gas pedal on the passenger okay. side. I don't know if they, they got room for two seats in there, though. That would be something. They could do something like that. That would be something. I mean, I guess you're going to have to be here to find out, and by the looks of it, there's going to be a lot of people here tomorrow to find out. Yeah, we're here about 6 o'clock on Thursday, the eve before the eve, and right now I would venture to say there is about... 500 seats already reserved yeah there's blankets down there's duct tape down the whole you know 50 yards north south of the start finish line is all taken up so this is going to be pretty crazy tomorrow yeah you usually get 12 14,000 uh, i believe around 13 okay. yeah yeah so uh, i'm a little bummed i have to miss it a buddy of mine's getting married from high school i don't get uh i don't get to see him too much so going up to green bay to to enjoy we gets married on a Friday, man. I got married on a Sunday. Did you? But it was New Year's Eve. Okay, well, that makes sense. So but it, yeah, you see, do what you got to do. When you get married on a Friday, you can at least celebrate all weekend long. Or, like, maybe you get married on a Thursday and you stay up all night taking Facebook Live videos and we you party all the way through the weekend. We could have married some people on <laughs> Thursday night. That would have been fun. Oh, gosh. You know, that you got to save that kind of stuff for Oktoberfest. It, it's <laughs> happened before. Uh, let's talk about figure eight gate. This one was odd. Uh, neither Craig Van de Wettering or Terry Van Roy finished the race. They come into the night tied. So they end up tied because third place, Willie Van Camp didn't make it. That was wild. And I seen Willie at Slinger on Sunday. So I don't know if he was saving his car for that or for the, I I did run into rockstar wrestler Becky a little later on in the night and I, we were talking about it and he said that's the case is that Willie is actually saving that car to win the Slinger championship and ironically enough all he had he come and shown up finished the race both. he probably would have been the WIR champion too yeah and we had some extra cars for that figure eight race obviously uh getting ready for the eve which is tomorrow night so um it was good to uh to watch that Kenny Van Wyken and all the normal guys were out there mm-hmm. yeah we had a tie they're gonna be they're gonna be the stars of the show tomorrow, which is kind of funny. You know, we talk uh, so much about how 
the late models, the super late models and all that are, are the big stars of WIR and things like that. They get built up to be such. And, you know, that's just the way short track racing is. But then you come to, you come to the even destruction and the figure eight guys are like rock stars. Yeah, and they're not 13, just... 13,000 people. They're driving multiple divisions, you know, right. the same cars running the figure eight race, the trailer race. Um, they'll be doing the football thing on the front stretch, I'm sure. You got the bus race. Um, so these guys are competing in five, six events, a lot of them, multiple events, doing different things. So should be a good show for everybody. And the weather looks like it's going to cooperate. Decent, a little yep. chilly. Bring, your, even if bring it, your hoodie. Even if it's chilly, people don't care. Yeah. Those jet cars tend to warm things up a bit they light her up yeah for sure so with that being said we've got some champions and let's first talk to the guy who's holding the microphone we've had him on the podcast here before great to have you back dylan wenzel congratulations championship number four and you and i were discussing it down in victory lane or while we were doing the championship interviews back to back yep. and then back to back yep so they come in twos for you they do that's just the way my luck's been going. Uh, it's not easy to win a championship, um, but uh, when it's your year, it's your year. So you just roll with it. So does that mean now you try to break that little streak and go for three in a row next year? I do, don't, do a little something different off the cuff? I don't know what I'm going to do next year yet. Uh, there's a lot of thinking I have to do, and uh, I'll see what direction I want to go with next year. So... You, you think about a season, and sometimes it comes down to one night or two nights or a certain moment. But for you, I think the story is a little different because you came out of the box firing right away. You were fast. You were winning features. Nobody was able to touch you for the first few weeks. This really was something, I would say, from night number one, lap one, this was your title to lose. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Um, it actually started back when uh, I came to uh, Tuesday practice, and um, I had tires from last year that sat outside all winter long. And uh, the car was good, and I was running fast laps with old tires. And then I bolted on the new tires, and I only practiced five laps about, maybe. And uh, the car was so good, I just parked it and said, we're good. You know, we're ready to go, and I was pretty excited at that point, and the car is not disappointed all year. Were there a lot of changes from last year to this year that you made on your car over the winter that really helped you think um, coming into that first race or first practice? I uh, actually had the wrong spring in the left front corner this year, or the season before, and uh, had not known that, and uh, in the off season, I was looking, and I'm like, why is this like this? And uh, I scratch my head and figuring out, you know, this was my problem from last year. So I was pretty excited to start this year with things right. And, uh, boy, the car just took off, and it was it was awesome. You talked a lot on the first podcast about the importance of weekly maintenance. You know, Andy had talked about that, too. And now, you know, I'm sitting here with two guys that have won championships, and I'm sure Travis will probably tell us about it as well because he's a guy that takes care of his 27 car. Just tell me, do you think that's one of the biggest differences that helps you win a championship? It's huge. Uh, boy, I could go on and on about all the things that I'm either broke or nearly broke throughout the season. And, uh, you know, it, it's that maintenance that keeps you – on the track you don't want to beat yourself you want to be on the track competing having fun 
And uh, if you're sitting in the pits broke, you know, you're not learning nothing, you're not having fun, and uh, you have to keep that maintenance, you know, that that's a big key to success. As far as all the feature wins, all the fast times, I know that was good for you, but we talked about this earlier. That track record meant something special to you too, didn't it? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. You know, the car was fast enough all year to do it. I beat that time in practice almost every week, and uh, I just couldn't back it up in qualifying. So just on a night that I wasn't expecting it uh, to have that happen, it was just awesome. Just a big relief. And who had the record before that? Greg Hauser. Was that Hauser's? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. In the and, wagon. And how's he doing, by the way? Because I know you and Greg are really good friends, and Greg's itching to get back out on the racetrack and He's getting better. He, I mean, he still has a long road to recovery uh, with things. Uh, but, uh, you know, he keeps talking, you know, about coming back, and he wants to. And uh, when I broke that track record, I'm like, well, here you go. Now you have to get better. You Motivation. have to come back. And uh, he's already talking about how he's going to come back next year and get that track record back in, under his name. So then that would give you a reason to come back. <laughs> back and forth, back and yeah. forth, back and uh, forth. Yeah, yeah. We'll see what next year brings. Um, this this season's just barely over, so I'm just gonna have fun uh, to finish off the year and hit a few other tracks here. It's something I normally don't do, and just enjoy it. What are some of the plans here now for the the postseason races, if you will? Well, I'm gonna do the Tundra race on that was at the 24th. Yeah, at, yeah, the, at Dells. the Dells. I'm gonna go there. Uh, we're gonna do Oktoberfest and. Uh, Maybe we'll find somewhere else to run, you know, in between there. Yeah, and the neat thing is now toward the end of the year, you have the Dells, you have the following race, and you have the harvest at Golden Sands, so we're racing well through October now. Yep. Yeah, and that's normally I don't, I don't touch the car. I just put it in the corner and just be happy, and uh, I still want to play. So, you know, if as long as I can keep the car in one piece, I'll probably play for a while yet. It's funny you see that with racers, not just Dylan, but just everybody in general. You talk to them on the last night of the season, and if they didn't have the year maybe they were expecting or they had some bad luck, they're like, nope, I'm done. We're done this year. I don't know what my plans are for next year. I might not, I'm going to run part-time. You get all this kind of mm-hmm. you know, bar stool talk. Yep. But if you have guys that had a year like Dylan or Travis mm-hmm. or myself, it's like we don't want it to end. We want to keep racing. Where's the next race? Okay, there's a special at Marshfield this weekend. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll go. You know, there's the Dell's Tundra race coming up. There's lacrosse. There's the harvest at Plover. Mm-hmm. You're like looking at the schedule because you want to just keep going. Your car's running good. Your guys are still having fun. And those are the guys you see trying to travel around and hit. Like like you said, other years you might have been just like, ah, I'm done with this. And for you guys, Football. that's got that's got to feel good too to go to a track and be announced as the WIR champion. You know, whether it's super late yeah. model, the sportsman, the late model, to just be able to walk into a track show off that car because everybody's seen what you've done all year sure. and now you're coming in as a champion yep that that's pretty fun and uh there's no expectations on what we do when we go to these races now so we just go out have fun and if the car's good good enough to compete you know up front great if not well we learn you know move on and it's just having fun yeah so Dylan, I just gotta ask you you know we talked about this during the podcast the people that make it possible for you just Anytime you get the opportunity, I know it's good for you to, to talk about those people, so so let us know about it. Well, I have to think, uh, boy, you cut me off guard again. 
did this the last You should have known. I should have known. On. I should have known. Hey, fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> fool me twice, shame on United, me. United, right? I have to. Get I a do tattoo have to, on your arm. Just I'll have to. I'll there. have to. United Steelworkers District 2, uh, Custom Arms, uh, 920 Wraps. Uh, Northland Auto, uh, Pure Romance by Terra, uh, Marty Nussbaum Racing Enterprise. Um, with all them, you know, they, they help keep the car on track. And uh, without all of them, I couldn't do this. Travis Rodewald, let's bring you in here now and talk about your championship uh, this season. And this is one that came down to the final laps, kind of like we had talked about. But really, it started out for you at the beginning of the night by setting fast time. We talked about it in the interview. Just tell me how important it was to start off the night getting off to that good run. Well, having that good run, I started my year out with fast time, and then the rest of the year we kind of struggled with qualifying. And uh, towards the end of the season, we started making some changes to the car because it seemed like the car just was falling away on me a little bit. And we started making some changes and found a little more speed in the car. And by the last night of racing, uh, finally got to have another fast time, and that really helped out for getting that extra couple points I needed to get ahead of Bernhagen a little bit. Yeah, and it wasn't just the fast time. He ended up passing him in the feature and just really looking pretty dominant the whole day. Yeah, we had a good run in our, our fast dash as well. We we got by him in that. And then uh, come to the feature time, I just needed to ride behind him, but the car felt so good. The racer and me kicked in and decided we were going to start passing cars, which might not have been the best idea for me. But in all in all, it, it worked out great. We finished third in the feature, and it really felt good, so... You were in a different position than Dylan, obviously, because Dylan took the night off, and Andy uh, just kind of had to make his way into the feature and get that start. But you actually had some pressure on you. How did you prepare yourself for that mentally? Because this is one of the first major championships that you've gone for. How did you prepare yourself for that? I tried to tell myself it's just another Thursday night of racing, that the championship wasn't even in my head. I, uh, I knew what I needed to do, and we came out here. The car was good, and I just let the – let it be another Thursday night and race as hard as I could. Andy, you wanted to ask him a question about something you saw. Yeah, earlier this year, there was a, a video, I think, that went up on Facebook of an in-car camera, um, and I was watching it of you driving around the track. And the first thing I noticed is your right hand doesn't really do anything. It's not really on the steering wheel other than maybe down the back stretch just to, for support, but... You only have one hand on the steering wheel? Is that really how you drive around here? That is how I race. For 17 years, I raced one-handed. And it's the left hand? Left hand. Interesting. And, uh, Are you left-handed? No, I'm right-handed. Mm. But when you, uh, for me, it seems like I was always more steady with the wheel running one-handed so that uh, the right hand was always available to shift the gear or whatever I needed to do. Um, but uh, all in all, it seemed when I, when I race two-handed, I, I don't do as good. So one-handed works really good for me, and it keeps the steering wheel more steady for me. Maybe that's a secret. Maybe. Get the suicide knob on there and I drive guess. these things one-handed. So let me ask you this. So even when you're racing at tight little 141 Speedway in a mid-American car and a street stock that have no grip and a lot of power, you're still racing one-handed. One-handed. Even when I was on dirt, I raced one-handed. Well, sometimes you just need the gas pedal to turn the car for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does happen too, but not much on asphalt. Since we're talking about, do you drive two foot? Do you drive? Are you a left foot breaker or right foot? 
No, I use two feet all okay. the time. Okay. What about I think most do, but there are some people. I know Tim Rothy talked to me back in the day when he raced out here. He was a, a right foot brake gas guy. Well, Jim um, Duco as well. He was, He's a one-footer as well, and he did me- very good out here. Speaking of Jim Duco, he helped you out quite a bit this year. He did. Without him, I don't think I would have gotten this far in a late model because Jim every week has set up my car with me. Uh, it's My car stays at his house. He He's nice enough to bring it to the track for me, um, and he helps maintain it and set it up uh, every week uh, as long as I've had the car. He's the one that actually got me into late models, so... Uh, without his support and help every week i i would probably not be here how did you guys uh how did how did you get to know jim how did that all come about actually back in my mid-am days i ran taco performance engines in my cars and uh jim was associated with taco so um i actually got introduced from my engine builder okay yeah taco's been out here quite a few years i think he used to work at bnb did meyer offer stuff yep uh, Travis, just tell me, about, I mean, I've watched you race now for quite a few years, even before you raced here with the Mid-American cars and some of the other traveling things that you've done. Just tell me, what, what brought you to racing late models here? Where did you start, and is, is this something that you've always wanted to do? Well, honestly, I never dreamed I'd ever run a late model. Um, I started out at 141 Speedway in Francis Crick running hobby stocks. Those Did, were fun, by the way. Those were a lot of fun to watch. They were. Did you have to do the, the right side racing, too, where they would flip the coin at the start of the night or right before the feature to make sure these guys weren't setting them up? They would flip a coin, and if it if it was heads, you'd race to the left, and if it was tails, you'd race to the right. Yep, we did that quite a few times, uh, and and we also, rain, ra- uh, we also raced in the rain. Um, they made us run rain or shine, uh, and also uh, when we did our qualifying laps in the hobby stock, You'd actually make one lap turning oh, left. I remember the pretzel and then we lap. Would I remember that. Through, yep. Yep. <laughs> we would shoot through the winner's circle and then go back the opposite way turning right. And that was how we got our lap times. And that was that made it really fun. I actually enjoyed that a lot. And just remember, he's doing that pretzel lap one handed. That's one handed, absolutely. <laughs> that's it was amazing. And then we ran super stocks for a year and then we changed into Grand National. And then uh, decided I didn't uh, didn't like my car banged up every week after week after week, so we uh, bought a Mid American car and then raced that 141 Speedway with the Mid Am car. We did very well in that, and then went traveling with the Mid American Stock Car Series for many years, and then uh, I planned on just staying in that for the rest of my life until I met Mr. Jim Duco, and he said, "You need to race a late model. You got more talent to show yet." So. Um, being that Jim raced at WRR here forever, uh, that's where he said I needed to try to go for a championship at. Well, it seems like he was right. Yeah, you're a rookie now, right? I was, well, yeah, you're technically, technically the rookie of the year, too. Yep, I took rookie of the year, took the, the championship and the red, white, and blue championship. We did. We had a really good year. And 35 years ago, the limited late model slash sports, sportsman champion was? Mr. Jim, Jim Duco. Duco. I'm guessing on the quarter mile. On the quarter mile. At the time. Has that ever happened before where Rookie of the Year was the champion as well? No, we've had some really stellar rookies in the Super Late Models the past couple of years. Casey Johnson, I think he did he finish second? I think he was second or third. And then uh, Cryer, I think, had a really good year back in like 2010. Fourth. Somewhere up in the top. 10 and Matt Kenseth in 93 was second. Was he? Travis and then he Sauter. won championships the next two yeah, years. Yeah, Travis Sauter this year was fourth. So, 
Uh, there have been successful racers, but I don't think champions to any of my recollection. So you might have just made some history here this year. How's that feel? Well, it always feels good to make history. <laughs> yeah. So in talking about Jim Duco, because I I kind of watched your, your relationship with him flourish here a little bit over the past couple of years. I think we've all seen it firsthand. What are what are some of the tips that he gave you when you first started racing late models? What are some of the biggest things that Jim taught you? Patience, 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 patience. Never overdrive the corners. Um, just everything takes time, and you can't win a race without finishing the race. So sometimes you see me leg back in the start of a race, and you may wonder what's wrong with him. Why is he so far back? It's not because the car can't be there. It's because I'm waiting for everyone to sort their stuff out before I come and try to pick my cars off. Yeah, and that's, I think, especially important um, having raced the, the late model class myself because there is there is such a difference in time from where you, Bernhagen, my brother, um, Munster, Meyerhofer, where you guys time in compared to some of the cars that maybe start in the first two rows of the race. So um, you know you're going to get there, um, and you don't want to run over guys getting there, tear the fender off, and ruin your night. So you almost got to – we talked about this last time. What was it again? conservatively aggressive yes was that the word cautiously aggressive. Yeah. cautiously aggressive work your way up there and no you know the cream is going to rise to the top you just got to be patient and work your way through absolutely you can't win the race on the first lap you know one thing i i really want to compliment the late models on this year is we've had years in the past where they have just been rough and we drop cars throughout the season and it was kind of to the point where we would get down at the end of the year. I think last year we had maybe 10 or 12 left by yeah, the end of the year. Maybe 12. And yeah. now we get to the end of the year and we have season high car counts. I think that really speaks to you guys out there as far as racing each other well with respect, uh, not really getting in a lot of tiffs this year. Did you see that out there this year, Travis? It seemed like this year was a lot cleaner because I know you've raced here in the past before. Yeah. I Just actually, in limited action. I think we had a really good year. I've seen a lot of the – Drivers that are are uh, normally uh, a little slower uh, have really picked it up this year towards the end of the season. There's been a lot of guys who got a lot smoother, a lot faster. The racing got cleaner, um, and we were all in all able to run without uh, without all these wrecks you used to see. So what's the chance that we see you back here defending the championship next year? I think there will be a pretty good chance. Uh, I am lacking some sponsorship here. If anyone's out there, there's a sponsorship shout out, everybody, right here. Travis Rodewall. If anyone's looking championship car. to help out a championship car next year, I sure could use some help. I'm short on sponsorship. We used up all our money this year already, and uh, my sponsors have been really good to me. But sometimes cars, main, the maintenance on these cars, take a lot of money, and and a guy can't do it alone. So I'd really like to go to lacrosse this year yet, but uh, the funds are gone, and if I can come up with the money, I'm still going to go. But we'll see what happens and. Uh, but next year, I, I'm sure I'll be back. I definitely want to try to take another championship. Um, but obviously, the sponsors are what make makes cars go, so we'll see what happens. So who are they, the ones that you do have? Well, I'd like to give a big shout-out to LDI Industries. They've uh, were, All my sponsors are out of Manitowoc. They've been with me for 17 years. Um, I've almost got them memorized from all the Mid-Am days and to now. <laughs> it's, yeah, they've it's been get, my biggest easier. sponsor, and they've helped me out so much. Uh, John Lucas, he's been a great guy helping me out all these years and um, nice family-owned business. And I got uh, Wicked Custom Autos out of Manitowoc and Cretton Enterprises. 
uh, they're all great sponsors and great companies to be with. So, uh, big shout out to them. Well, big congratulations to you, Travis. It was fun watching you this year, and you know to watch you and Jesse take that one down to the wire. That's exactly what the fans wanted to see here, and I think they got their money's worth. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Jesse. I know how bad he wanted it, but uh, we had a good fight all year long here, battling back and forth, and every week it seemed like the points were changing. I had first, he had first, and then I had a bad night, and I fell way down, and it took me a little while to pick it back up, and uh, we got back up there, and then we kept going back and forth, first, second, first, second, first, second, and came down to the wire, and it was it was fun. Are you, know, you going to be nice at the banquet and at least give him the Rookie of the Year plaque? <laughs> I mean, you're getting the big trophy. Just can you can he at least have the Rookie I, of the I, Year? I, I got a better idea for him. You you did see that Jesse's going for the Dells Raceway Park Championship this week, right? Yeah. So maybe you could bring that 27 car down there and just get a little wide in front of Nick <laughs> Nolden. I don't know. Would, the, would you do that for him? What's the points gap down there? I'm not sure what well, it is. Well, have, we'd I have to Nick, find out. But Nick I mean, is, uh, you could pretty, maybe... Put the anchor in front of the 67 car and take him to the back with you. That's never been done before. Never. I think that happens on the dirt all the time. I'd like to also thank my crew uh, and my wife for all her patience. Uh, These race cars take a lot of time, so my wife doesn't see me too often. Between three jobs working and then working on a race car, uh, she sits at home alone a lot. So, And then uh, Kurt and Heather and Brandon and Doug and my dad, Bill, and uh and Jim Duco. There Good it is. Deal. And if you see what kind of shirt he's wearing. Oh yes, I'd also like to oh boy. thank Pathfinder chassis. Uh it's a great chassis. If anyone's looking to get into racing, I definitely recommend a Pathfinder chassis. They sure did good this year between the super lates and the late models. Uh they had some good good times out here. Yeah, Joel Wood, uh he came up last Thursday and he was pretty excited to be down there on the front stretch with, with both of us, you know, Pathfinder I don't even know if really had a, a feature win in the super lates before um, this year. Obviously, I didn't do it, but you know Alex Stump got it done mm-hmm. and John DeAngelis as well. Um, but then to have two champions sitting on the front stretch with their cars, you know, as uh, his smile was, was cool. wide. I noticed. Yeah, was he was pretty wide. excited. Yeah, between me and Jesse Bernhagen, both have both have Pathfinder chassis, so that's pretty special to be battling like that all year long with that. I also like to thank uh, Wagner Motorsports for the great horsepower they've given me all all season well let's talk a little bit more about another pathfinder driver who won a championship andy monday i know you had the whole family down there the whole crew and we've talked about this a little bit before but now that it's officially in the books for you your family as long as you guys have been involved at this racetrack how good does it feel to take that championship um it's bigger than i guess i ever thought it would be um it's something that obviously we've strived for and something we've wanted to happen for several years and um, people asked me last thursday you know has it set in yet has it set in yet and at the time i'm like yeah i I think it really has because we're having a lot of fun and all the different people coming down but there's always different things and travis is going to experience this too is there's different things that just keep popping up or people say to you and then it just kind of reminds you how big it is um for example, we went to Slinger on Sunday night, and here we are on the front stretch, driver intros, and Todd Bailing's introducing you as the 2017 Super Late Model Champion. That's cool. Um, you know, Evan Fredrickson, who listens to the podcast, he sent me a thing that they updated the Wikipedia page with the, all the champions of all the divisions. And you just look at it, and it's like Rich Summers, Alan Quickie, Scott Hansen, Terry Baldry, 
all the different names and to be included at the, in that list with those guys is an honor because I grew up watching all of them race and those are my heroes. So, um, you know, coming into this, I, you know, I just wanted to race a sport truck. I never dreamed it would ever get this big. So it's pretty cool. And you talk about that dream of just racing the sport truck, exactly what Kyle Kalmus told us here a couple of weeks ago on the podcast as well. To get to the next level, when did it spur for you that, hey, this is more than just sport truck racing for me. This is late models. This is super late models. When did that light bulb go on in your head? You know, it's it's kind of difficult to think back that far and, and understand it fully because I was still in high school. Um, but um, my dad was a, a crew member, my mom and dad, of Jim Poggle's race team. Um, we used to come out here every Thursday night, and me and my brother would be up in the stands, and we'd be cheering for Jim. And um, obviously he lost his, his life here in 97, um, a qualifying accident on opening night. And I always wanted to race kind of leading up to that point, but I never kind of put things together Um I got a job when I was 14, started saving money, working at McDonald's, um, bought my first sport truck from Rob Vandermoss. He helped me that first year, similar to uh, Duco helping Rotowald here, um, got me started. And once we started having some success, got a fast time at the end of that year, won a feature down at Dells Raceway Park, um, then you kind of like, okay, what's the next step? I, I, I've kind of proven to myself, maybe I can do this. So how can we go to the next level? And Obviously, with my dad's experience and background, he didn't know a lot about the sport trucks. Um, so the natural progression was to get into a half-mile car, do this and that. So um, at the end of the third year racing sport trucks, we sold the truck um, to Tyler Lind, and uh, we bought Jamie Burling's limited late model car and came out here. And I probably ran 200 practice laps that fall and spun the thing out maybe seven times. Uh, <laughs> And then you start to wonder, oh, maybe this was too big of a jump. But, you know, that's how you learn and you, you kind of push the limits and see what you could do. And um, we had a really good rookie year that next year and it kind of took off from there. So um, really fortunate. You know, a lot of this, you know, like Travis mentioned and even Dylan, is the people you have around you in the support system you have, um, whether it's your family, your wife, mom and dad, um, your crew guys, and all the effort they put into it. I mean, we really have the, the fun part or the easy part doing the driving. Um, all the work gets done in the shop to get to that point. So, And speaking of a support group, it's not just those people, but your sponsor list is tremendous. It's large. There's a lot of different diverse types of companies on there, and they've been with you for a long time. Just tell some of the listeners about what kind of an effort you have to put in to get those sponsors to keep them, to keep them happy, keep them coming back. Yeah, um, and I think that was something, um, going back again to Jim Poggle, I think that was something he was always good at is getting sponsorship on his car and taking care of those people. Um, we do this racing thing 100% funded on sponsorship. You know, we're not taking money out of my pocket to do it. You know, my mom and dad aren't paying for it like you see a lot of other teams out here. Um, so it's really going out and um, getting those people to support you and you know, keeping them involved and happy. You know, I told a story the other night um, on the uh, Racing Roundup show. Um, Darboy Corner Store is one of the big sponsors on my car this year, Larry and Patty. Uh, they listen to the podcast as well. Um, that started out six years ago. Um, my friend Guy Bodie um, said, hey, uh, Patty, who I know, I graduated high school with her. She owns the Darboy Corner Store over there, and I talked to her, and she's She's willing to sponsor you a little bit if you're interested. What she could do is uh, 
give you a 12 pack of soda and a bag of ice every week would that be something you're interested in and you know I think most teams would maybe look at that as going yeah that's nice but maybe that's not enough to help me out and um, you know we kind of hit it off from there she helped us out she did that for us for years and then you keep her involved she gets interested she comes out to the track she's enjoying it and now here we are six years later and it's one of the biggest sponsors primary sponsor on my race car so you never know what those smaller associate sponsors are going to turn out to be your bigger supporters and help you kind of take things to the next level and without their support um, there's no way we would have been able to build a new car this year um, buy that car from Pathfinder put it together so um, all the sponsors on the team you know Front Row Mafia since you mentioned some diverse sponsors on my car um, there's another one um, Front Row Mafia Jerry and Pad and all those guys this is a group of guys that uh, enjoys wrestling events they go to different events around the state they buy the front row tickets and they heckle the wrestlers okay. that's all they do it's not a <laughs> it's not a business they don't sell anything you can't buy anything from them they're they're really they wanted to get on a race car Jerry has some background at the track he used to come out here with his brother who passed away a few years ago and similar deal I had my car at the Darboy corner store for their family day event um, his son Tom came down wanted to sit in my car I was nice to him I gave him a hot shot took a picture with him next thing you know they're here every Thursday night Andy Monday's my favorite driver and now Jerry wants to help out more and next thing you know they're a sponsor on the race car helping us buy some tires every year so again I think it's kind of got the snowball effect a little bit um, you treat people nice and you're good to them and they're willing to help out and keep them involved and interested there's there's so many kind of horror stories out there about race cars and sponsorship where Take we wrote a guy run. a check and I yeah. never seen him ever again. Yeah. Um, and I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to any of my Can't sponsors. Do it. That's for sure. Uh, you mentioned the Pathfinder chassis, the new car that you built this year. And I know you're a guy that's kind of tried a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> what, what was the difference with the Pathfinder car this year? What, what made that car so special? Yeah, I think the big thing, um, we went, um, we kind of talked as a team at the end of last year. Um, we kind of got the most out of the chassis that we had. It was an 08 left-hander. We had a right foot front stub on it. We had tried some different things, and um, we could make it a top five car, but not really always consistent as we wanted to be. Um, so we went down, kind of talked to a few different chassis vendors um, and hit it off right away with Joel Wood. Um, they were looking to team up to have a car up here weekly, um, you know, they never out, had a car weekly at Slinger Speedway. Then they got a couple there. They had a couple guys run well. Now they have like 12 of the 16 cars that are in the feature. So they kind of looked at it as an opportunity to get in with a racer that maybe hasn't won a ton of championships or races and maybe take them to the next level. And um, looked at some safety stuff with, uh, with Joe down there at Pathfinder. Um, they just had a car that Dennis Prunty's throttle stuck at at Madison that wrecked really bad. So we looked at everything from a safety standpoint, was impressed. We talked with Joe and Jason on some roll center stuff. And ironically, their baseline setup, roll center, different things was pretty close to what we were running with our own stuff the year before. So that was a good selling point for us that this is going to be a pretty smooth transition. Not only is it going to be really close to what we're used to running, it's also going to be a newer chassis. It's going to be lighter, and we're going to have the support from them, and that was really the selling piece to uh, to make that decision and take our team to the next level. 
You know, you got to ask Dylan and Travis questions. <laughs> They're holding microphone here. Oh boy. I'm gonna see if they got any questions. Dylan, you got one? You put Travis, me on the spot. you got one? Dandy, you got one? How about this? Why didn't you win a feature this year, Andy? Because I didn't want to start in the back. There you go. See, we've covered this. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you mentioned it. We talked about it, and you kind of just sort of joked about it that ah, I didn't win a feature. But, you know, Matt Kenseth, when he won that 2013 or 2013, <laughs> longer ago than that, 2003 championship in NASCAR, he won one race that season. I want to say that's maybe Alan Quickie in 92 as well. Yeah. Maybe it, one or two just, races. If you're wildly consistent like you've been, and then what, four fast times in the year, too? That's where it all adds up, right? Yeah, and that was a big thing. I mean, yeah, we had three second-place finishes this year, and when you finish second to Ty Majeski, Lowell Bennett, Travis Sauter, that's not bad company either. Um, the thing of it, you know, with how consistent we were this year with qualifying, we're racking up the points, but then in addition to that, you're also starting further back. I want to say the closest we started to the front this year was maybe seventh. Um, it's difficult to get up there and win those races because it is so competitive, um, but that being said, we did have our opportunities. You know, I think the first night we did the podcast was the 4th of July night. Yep, the um, night that I you and Ben got up there, got the lead, and then I gave it away. Yep. Um, and then three weeks ago, again, we came from 10th, got up there, got the lead, and then uh, Johnny DeAngelis got around me. So it's not that uh, we didn't have our opportunities. We did, and um, that's something I'm sure we're going to be focused on this offseason going into next year is to uh, make that a priority to get in the winner's circle. Well, if that doesn't work out for you, you can just keep picking other people to win. You can just keep making picks. Should we recap our championship picks? Well, we can talk about week? that, but I'm also very impressed with what you did Monday. <laughs> yeah. That was impressive. What happened Monday? Well, let's was get the championship picks. Okay, so <laughs> we we first we did the late models. Travis, I'm sorry, but I picked Jesse Bernhagen. And here I thought you would have picked me all the years I knew you. I've known Jesse for a long time, too. I've known both of you for about the same time frame. I don't think you know that, but I've known Justin for quite a while. Yeah. See, they both picked Bernhagen, and I picked you. And my rationale was because they're always wrong. wrong. Okay. Well, this sounds like a football thing here. (laughs) There we go. Okay, so there was that. There was we we were all right on on Dan Thompson. Yep, he got the job done. The ninety nine. Congratulations, Sam. We'll have Dan on podcast here coming up. Uh, Figure eights. We were both right and wrong. Yep. Because we had a tie. So that would leave us with the sport Wisconsin truck. Sport Trucks. And I picked Brett Van Horn because you, if you're from De Pere, you picked De Pere. <laughs> and he was close. Last corner, last yeah, lap. So close. But, no, it was Kyle Quella. Kyle Quella. So yeah. I got the sweep there on that, on the picks. Dan, you did well as well. Yeah, I got two out of three, right? Two out of three mm-hmm. ain't bad, they say. Well, Meatloaf Andy, thanks it. for picking me. <laughs> yeah. I would have picked you no, anyway. No, 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 Travis. You should thank us for not, <laughs> not picking, picking you. <laughs> because yeah. if it would have been the other way around, he might have picked Bernhagen. So who knows how that would happen. And then on Monday, what the hell, man? Monday, I wasn't even planning on coming. I left my house at 2 o'clock and What'd drove you think? over there. Good show, though, eh? Yeah, it was a great show. Good show. Other, you know, sorry for the guy that got wrecked in turn one. That yeah. didn't turn out so well. No, but. Steve Litchfield, but... I guess he's fixing it. He's he's a little sore, but he's coming out of it. So good car count, good racing. Jordan Thiel, he might yeah. listen to the show. He lives right down the road. He had the fast car. Fifteenth, he started. Mm-hmm. Came up, challenge for the win. We've had that at every Tundra race so far. The fast qualifier has either won or finished second. Well, not at Lacrosse. Pardon me. The second fastest qualifier won. Okay. So the fast qualifier here finished second. That was Dalton Zier. 
Then the fast qualifier was Ty Majeski at lacrosse. Cole Anderson was second fast. He won. And then in our race at Jefferson, I should take that back because John Beal was not the fastest, but he did start dead last in that race. And who was fast here Monday? Colin? Colin Slife. He finished fifth. Fifth, okay. But we've always had somebody that start back around that fast qualifier come up and challenge for the win, which is really weird. You yeah. Know, 17th, 15th starting spot, somebody's rolling Calling up through. there, so... Yeah, it was a good show over there at Pulver. You guys put on, yeah, 27 super late models. Uh, yep, 28. Dylan was there, the about, super stock. Hey, how about Mickey Shally making the show through the last chance race, <laughs> racing his way in? Mickey uh, was texting me after Thursday night races, and uh, he brought his shocks and springs over to my house and changed everything over so he could come, put a completely different setup in his car. And he had a heck of a, t- you know, um, a very fun time over there. Um, so he's planning on doing a little bit more of that yeah, yet this a little season. More fun. That's but good. the winner, the ultimate winner in the end was you because you picked him. <laughs> Litchfield. Mike Litchfield, yeah, first ever. Forty four. I didn't know yeah, I didn't know that was his first win. Yeah, he's I know come he's... close a few times, but uh last year at the Dells I think was probably the most heartbreaking one for him because he was leading, nobody was gonna touch him and he fried a coil wire and oh, geez. off he went. So And you kinda had saw um at your race too, Wyatt Brooks got out to a big lead, yep. which is Jordan Thiel's teammate. And the race really was for second at that point between Litchfield and Beal. And Beal kinda backed off and was patient. I don't know if points were in his mind because of that Maybe. lap one wreck that took out some other competitors. Um but then in the end that ended up being that battle between Litchfield and and Beal, um, mainly for the win after you know Thiel uh-huh. came through the field and then Dalton Zier recovered from that early wreck too to finish. Was he third? Third. Yeah. He came up there as well. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, quite the event. What about Sunday? What? How were you Sunday? I didn't get to see any of that. I was I was kicking around going down. No, <laughs> I couldn't because I had to go up to Three Lakes for the Dirt Kings race. Sunday was a good show. Um, it was their championship night at Slinger. Came down to three guys, Gary Lamont, uh, Alex Prunty, and Steve Apel. And uh, they had kind of a wild finish. I'll cover that in a sec. Our car, um, we uh, we struggle a little bit in practice, and it's mainly driver than car. I just need more laps there. And Travis Dassel was nice to come down, and, and Dennis Chase as well. Um, to help me kind of get things figured out a little bit down there. And um, we picked up a lot for qualifying. We were able to make the show on time, and then they ended up putting everybody in anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, got kind of roughed up a little bit in the feature, got into it with, uh, Jerry Miller a little bit, bent the right front wheel, knocked the toe in. And, and then as I saw the leaders come in and I was getting lapped and it's their championship night with three guys going for it. I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm pulling Mm -hmm. off. I'm not going to get, um, in everybody's way there. But, um, as far as the race goes, it was a hundred lap feature and, um, it was pretty wild finish with those three guys all within 10 points of each other. Um, Gary Lamont was leading and looked like he was just going to take off and win this race. Dennis Prunty was second and Steve Apel was third. And if they would have finished in that order, Apel would have won the championship by one point. Well, there was a late race yellow, Alex Prunty and, and Apel got together and they both had to go to the back. Well, there was only six cars on the lead lap. So going to the back wasn't that Uh big a deal, but in the end, how it all shuffled out at the end of the race, Lamont who was first went to second and April who was third went to fourth. So everybody's thinking, okay, there's still only two spots apart. April still got it by one point because they still finished the way their point system goes is a 10 point difference between first and second. Also 10 between second and third, third to fourth is 12 points. Mm-hmm. Gary Lamont won it by yeah. two points because of that 
extra jump from third to fourth and picked up his first super late model championship and it was it was a pretty impressive show it was pretty cool to see when they come down to the wire like that like travis and jesse did it's it makes for a fun setup the night definitely interesting theater and we were trying to follow along as much as we could up at tnt but uh there's not a lot of like LTE or 4G or anything like that up there. <laughs> so we had a bit of a tough time following along. But uh, no, it's good to see you out there. It's good to see guys going out and having a little fun here at the end of the year. And, you know, to any of our WIR drivers that are listening right now, good luck to you if you're going out and you're racing at some other racetracks and, you know, show them what we do here on Thursday night. Yeah, I see Brent Strelka was going to Marshfield this weekend. They got their fall shootout. Um, obviously you guys got the Tundra race coming up at the Dells. There'll yep. be a few guys at that. And then lacrosse is the big one that I think most, you'll probably see the most local guys from here run with the various divisions and nights and stuff they got going on. So it'll be fun following it, seeing where everybody's going and what they're doing. And anytime you go to a different track, it's a whole different animal. It's a new thing to figure out. So it's, but it's the same when those guys come up here. So, yeah. well, Thank you all for tuning in. We appreciate it. We're watching more and more spots fill up here for the Eva Destruction. I kind of like this spot. Can I just come sit up here tomorrow night? You know what? You're the track champion. I wouldn't see why, not. I wouldn't see why the three <laughs> oh, of you can't do this. It's going to be warm in here, too. Start throwing your weight around, right? Uh, well, congratulations again, guys. Very deserving, all three of you, all of our champions. Like I said, we'll have our other champions on here uh, in the future as well. Just the timing didn't work out for them to come and join us here tonight, but... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep talking throughout the off season. We're not going anywhere. Are you going anywhere, Andy? Nope, not going anywhere. Dan, you're not. I going might anywhere. actually. I might be going somewhere with the uh, hurricane stuff going on. I might be getting shipped down there for work to help out. Oh, so I might be going somewhere at some okay. point. Down to Texas or down to Florida? Either or. Mm. It's uh, it's pretty bad. So thoughts are with uh, all those people down there, and hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes smoothly. So my. My GM for Circle Track, just a quick little story. He lives in Tampa. He's out in L.A. right now. We were on a call today, and I said, well, geez, are you just going to stay there, or are you going to go somewhere else? He says, no, I'm going home, flying in Friday. Are you kidding me, man? Like, they're saying this thing is going to blow the whole state across, you know, across the map. Nah, we're fine. (laughs) You guys in Wisconsin just get scared of this stuff. I'm like, okay. So then there's another uh, one. Bob Bolas lives in Daytona, and I asked him. I said, well, what about you? Because they had a hurricane down there last year. He says, nope, we're riding it out. So That's yet, great. It's yeah, great. Go might, ahead. I might be looking for a new GM and writers here by the end of next <laughs> week. So, And yet you uh, you have those same people complaining about a you know a six-inch snowstorm up here in Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, yeah, so maybe go. it's just one of those things where it's like we think it's really bad because the news hypes it up. But, I mean, if you see some of the stuff that's been happening like in the Caribbean, ooh. Yeah, I know there, there's uh, a lot of those uh, islands down there are very flat, so when they get a 10-foot tidal wave yeah. from this, I don't think there's going to be anything left That's of those very islands. very true, but uh, yeah, thoughts with all of them? Yeah, FRC member For Keith sure. Kuchenbecker, who helps on Lowell Bennett's team, I saw a post from him on Facebook. He loaded up his truck and is heading down there. Okay, He's well. got a place down there. He's got to get boarded up and... Brought water and gas and everything else for his neighbors. They're going to ride it out. So yeah. hopefully uh, hopefully we hear from him. Good Makes luck to everyone. So uh, with that being said, don't forget you can always find out more about the Fox River Racing Club through our website, frcracing.net. Uh, find Fox River Racing Club on Facebook as well. And keep 
keep your uh, keep your notifications going for the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast. They might get a little spotty from time to time. We're, we should probably try to get back here next week with our other champions if we can do it. We'll yeah, try. I think we'll do it again. We'll try to do yeah. that, and then after that we might get a little spotty, but we'll let you know uh, going forward from there. Travis, congratulations. Dylan, congratulations. Annie, congratulations. Thank you. You're champions. It's a beautiful thing. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Stay out of trouble. <laughs>